Ephesians chapter number 6, we'll dismiss our children for children's ministry. While we're in Ephesians chapter number 6, we started looking at some five uh, healthy habits for healthy Christians. And uh, these are things that ought to be incorporated within our life. But it's important that we get the right mindset about these things, lest we make them into a work. We We don't do works to get saved. And sometimes it's been said, but once we get saved, we are to work. Well, actually Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 says, once we get saved, we are His workmanship. See, God didn't save you and say, now you go after it and you let me know when you're done how it goes and I'll see you when you get to heaven. No, when we get saved, we get saved because we put our dependence upon Him and He moves inside to do a great work through us. And these areas of habits and disciplines ought to be a result of our encountering God and keeping us in a place where we don't have to stray from God. It allows us to stay in this place of healthy Christianity, maturity in the Christian walk. I've told this before, but in light of the message this morning on prayer, John G. Patton is a missionary to the New Hebrides and he tells the story one night of a, a group of tribesmen that surrounded his house. The tribesmen were determined to burn down his house and kill Mr. and Mrs. Patton who were the only ones in the home. They're alone in a strange land, far from home, no one nearby to help and no access to get a hold of anyone to help So they went to their knees and they spent an entire night in prayer. They expected at any moment that their home would go up in flames. But the hours passed without an attack. When morning came, the Pattons got up off their knees. They looked out the window and they were astonished to see that the hostile tribesmen had left. Instantly, they dropped back to their knees and they thanked God for his deliverance. The Pattons. They continued their evangelistic work among the tribes people. And they saw many of them come to Jesus. And after about a year of evangelistic work, they were able to reach the chief of the tribe who got saved. And when Patton was working with this chief and discipling him and helping him grow in his understanding and faith in the Lord, remembering that dreadful night where they were surrounded by these tribesmen, Mr. Patton asked the chief what prevented he and his men from killing them and burning down their house that night. The chief replied, we were afraid of the men that protected you. Mr. Patton said, what men? There were no men. It was just my wife and I who were in the house. The chief said, no, sir. There were many men surrounding your house, men with shining clothes and drawn swords in their hand. And they stood around the building and they would not let us harm you. It was at that very moment that Mr. Patton realized he and his wife were spared. God had answered their prayers and sent angels to protect them from the attack. Listen, Christian, there is a battle raging and it is only Prayer that can answer and solve and settle and secure the victory of that battle. 
The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you entered into a battle. Not a physical battle, but a spiritual battle. And that spiritual battle, it will affect you in the physical. Ephesians 6 and verse 12 tells us we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. However, this spiritual battle, it does affect us in the physical realm. We talked about that when we went through the series on Sunday night regarding spiritual warfare. Everything that you and I are battling with, whether it's a relationship, whether it's some physical struggle, whether it's some temptation or stronghold, everything we deal with on the physical, we can trace back to the spiritual aspect being its origin. In other words, the battle that we fight is not won, it's not to be fought, it's not going to be won by human effort or self-determination. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not, are not carnal, that is physical. It's not fleshly, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The battle is fought and won on our knees. Jim Elliott said, God is still on his throne. We are still his footstool. And there is only a knee's distance between. I'm convinced that the Bible is clear in revealing that our most powerful weapon against Satan and his cohorts and against our own apathy and the strongholds that we find ourselves in, the most effective means of advancing God's kingdom is prayer. And the truth is, most everyone knows that. And the truth is, too many are defeated in that area. Is it a big deal? I've made it this far without being a super prayer warrior. But have you? The devil cares little about how many activities we engage in. The devil cares little about how many organizations we develop. The devil cares little about what kind of preaching schedule I might have. The devil cares very little whether we work sun up to sundown. He knows, however, that without prayer, all the machinery of the church is useless for lack of power. Samuel Chadwick said, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. The devil laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. Amen. The early church, I always marvel at the power and the effectiveness of the early church, but we must never forget the secret to their strength is not supposed to be a secret. It was their primacy of praying. In Acts 1 and 2, Pentecost, the Spirit's power descending, thousands saved and added to the church, it was preceded by a concert of prayer, Acts 1 and 2. In Acts 4, the first wave of persecution, and always remember, the godly shall suffer persecution, 
So I haven't seen anybody burned at the stake. It must not be so. No, persecution, opposition, not opposition for you being arrogant, not opposition for you being belligerent, but opposition when you identify with Jesus Christ. And any time you take a stand for Christ and you advance his cause and advance his kingdom, you are treading on the devil's turf and he don't like it. And so every time you find victory in the book of Acts, you also find waves of persecution. And with every wave of persecution, we find a greater measure of victory that was secured after prayer. Acts 4, that first wave of persecution, it sent the disciples to gather together and the church prayed together. And what happened when they prayed together? The Bible says they prayed for boldness, but they didn't get human boldness. They didn't get a Zig Ziglar course on how to win friends and influence people. What they got was Holy Spirit boldness. And that's what you and I would get when we enter into cooperation with God through prayer. Acts chapter 6, the apostles, the early church leaders were so convinced of the importance of prayer that they elected seven men to help with the duties of the church so that the 12 apostles could invest and divest their time and energy to prayer. In Acts 12, Peter's release from prison was a direct response and result an answer to prayer. Let me submit, if we're going to move on in maturity, if we're going to experience daily victory over the devil and over the flesh and the strongholds that we face, if we're going to get beyond our apathy of, I just don't care, we're going to have to find the same spiritual power and effectiveness as did the early church. And if we're going to do that, then we must... Pay attention to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Let's stand together, please, as we read our text. Ephesians 6 and verse 18, the Bible reads, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. I want to preach this morning on prayer. The second habit we're looking at, prayer, your cooperation with God. Prayer, your cooperation with God. With God. Thank you. Please be seated. Alan Redpath said, let's keep our chins up and our knees down. We're on the victory side. S.D. Gordon, in his book, Quiet Talks on Prayer, said the greatest thing anyone can do for God and man is pray. You can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. See, if you have the audacity to ask, God has the ability to respond. Is there anything too hard for God? See, prayer is the power by which a thing comes to pass which otherwise would never take place. 
The greatest tragedy in life is the prayers that go unanswered because they simply go unasked. James 4, 2, you have not because you ask not. If the size of your need is too big for you, it's just the right size for God. Someone said to G. Campbell Morgan, the lady said, Brother Morgan, should I take my requests? They're little. Should I take them to God? He said, ma'am, all of our requests are little to God. Jeremiah 33, 3, God says, call unto me and I will answer thee and tell you, show you, display to you the great and mighty things that thou knowest not. I want to remind you the first principle of spiritual warfare that we looked at in our series on spiritual warfare. That is, whatever is plaguing you today in the physical realm, it emanates from the spiritual realm. R.A. Right, Tory said, prayer can do anything that God can do as God can do everything Therefore, prayer is omnipotent. I want you to see three things about prayer. Number one, notice in verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication. Number one, the frequency of prayer. We're talking about our daily prayer and cooperating with God. I want you to see the frequency of our prayer. It says praying. Praying, the first word of verse 18, it refers to general requests. See, prayer is simply talking to God. It's sharing your heart with God. Praying. Spoke to a college student yesterday when we were there in Oklahoma. And he said, Brother Ingram, would you pray with me that I would understand prayer? He's in Bible college preparing for ministry. He says, I want to get more out of my Bible reading and prayer. I said, I was in ministry before I felt like I even understood the significance of prayer and Bible study. For me, it was kind of like the checklist. I did it. Therefore, God's going to be happy with me today. You know those love languages? Remember Gary Smalley's five love languages? Remember those? Acts of service is one of those. And somehow I think that God's love language is acts of service. And if I do things that please Him, then I'll get God's power. You hear me, prayer and Bible study is not for the sake of God Almighty. It's for us to be able to experience God. We do not pray to live the Christian life. We enter into the Christian life so that we can Pray so we can know Him, we can talk to Him, we can enter into His presence. I've said before, when we people come for the first time to our Saturday prayer revival prayer time, we're going to pray an hour. When we've challenged the church, um, for those who are not familiar, we for several years have been on this hour with God a day. We have our Christ Walk Journal where we enter into spending an hour with God. And there were people who said, I can't imagine. I, I mean, I, I, I've tried something like that and, and about as far as I got was five minutes before I ran out of everything. Then I just tried to go through it again. It was about another, I can't imagine an hour. But when you meet with God, people have come to our corporate prayer meeting 
People have spent time in the presence of God. I want to tell you, you get into the presence of God, you don't have to go across the country to find God. And you experience, man, that was an hour? I thought it was five minutes. Whereas most are used to five minutes seeming like an hour. When I was in evangelism, I remember being out and with a group of pastors out in the West and I remember talking to them and they were saying, hey, this conference, we go to this conference, we love this, we try to get to this conference every year and we got to get there. When our church is struggling, we say to ourselves, we got to get to this conference. I said, something's wrong with that. The conference is not the Ark of the Covenant. You don't need to get to the conference. You need to get to God. And by the way, I don't care what you're getting at the conference. When you come back home and you're missing it, you miss God. You know what you need? You need to figure out prayer. Albert Einstein was asked, 1952 I believe it was, is there any other doctoral thesis that has yet to be developed? And he thought for a moment, he said, why don't you try one on prayer? It's a great mystery that God invites us to pray. We say amen to the singing. God still answers prayer. But when was the last time you can point to a specific definite answer to prayer? John R. Rice said, real praying is not asking, it's asking and receiving. So that if all you're doing is asking, you're not asking and receiving. He says, you're not praying. You said, I don't like it. You take it up with him. He's in heaven. You take it up with him. But he was a man who knew how to pray. Rick Flanders, who's been here before, Rick Flanders had him come in and preach for him. John R. Rice preached for him when he pastored in Michigan. He said, when I picked up John R. Rice from the airport, we were going to the car, and he said some things. I said, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you, Mr. Rice. And Mr. Rice said, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to God. He said, they got in the car, and, and John R. Rice is talking to Flanders, and, and Flanders said, then he'll start talking to God. And he said, I, I began to pick up on, there was three of us in that conversation the whole time he was with us. Amen. But he was a man who knew how to ask. He was a man who knew how to get answers. That's praying. Someone says, oh, I get answers to prayer. If that's the definition, I get answers to prayer. I asked one man, so tell me, when was the last time you got an answer to prayer? Well, I prayed that the sun would come up this morning, and it did. Any other place you're sorry in? While we're playing games, there are souls going to hell. There are families that are being destroyed. There's a church that is losing the breath of God. And we're trying to justify our defeat when we ought to repent and get back to Jesus. The frequency of prayer. Praying. Then it says not just praying, but supplication. Supplication refers to specific requests. So in verse 18, praying. General request always with all prayer, general request and supplication that's specific. So whether general or specific, Paul tells us the Lord wants you to pray. You know why sometimes people struggle? Because they're not praying. Why did Peter struggle staying awake? Because he didn't pray. Why did he fail? Because he didn't pray. When you get hungry, you're going to stay awake. Those who sleep in church, do you sleep when you're swallowing your food too? No. Whatever you're hungry for is determined by what you're pursuing. What kind of frequency of prayer? What well, needs to be consistent praying? He says praying always. There's got to be a consistency. How is it that we're to be consistent? Praying always 
is to pray at all seasons and on all occasions. What it does not mean is to just pray at, at this time or this time or this time. But there needs to be a consistency. No matter what it is, no matter what happens, there ought to be an attitude of, we got to talk to God about this. There needs to be an attitude of depending upon God. By the way, prayer is an expression of our dependence upon God. That's why Jesus said the church ought to be a place of prayer. If any place ought to be a place of dependence upon him, the head and the, the body that we're a part of, it ought to be the church. But we show our independence of God when we don't pray. When we don't pray, what we're saying is waving a flag saying, I don't really need God. I don't need God here. But you let cancer come into your family or life, then you say, oh man, we need God. No, you don't. You've always needed God. You've always needed God. But the fact of the matter is, when we don't pray, we are showing we're not consistent in our Christian life. Consistent praying is going to help us maintain dependence upon the Lord. So the idea is we want to maintain a state of God consciousness where every aspect of our surroundings provide us with a chance to pray and to connect with the divine. You wake up in the morning, you could thank God for a good night's rest. You say, well, I didn't get a good night's rest. Well, you can thank God you've got breath in your body to be able to say something and do something. You take a shower, thank Him for the washing of regeneration and ask Him to wash you of yesterday's sins. When you see something good or beautiful, that is a blue sky, or, or you see somebody helping somebody, thank God for it. Every good gift cometh from above. When you see the multitudes of lost around you, pray that God would draw them unto Himself. When you encounter trouble, lift up your voice to the deliverer. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. This is what it means to live in God consciousness. Everything becomes a prayer opportunity to talk to God. What do you think about this? You know God has an opinion about everything. And prayer is one of those great opportunities where we can find out what he thinks. God, what do you think about this? God, do you see this? Thank you for this. God, we need help in this. God, would you, would you tell me your thoughts on this? Not only is the frequency of prayer to be consistent, but it ought to be creative. Creative praying. He says with all prayer, with all prayer, it refers to all kinds of prayer. What kind of prayer are we talking about? Well, like confession. We had some confession this past week, didn't we? Amen. We should always have confession. What is confession for? For cleansing. Don't you like it when you get clean? Amen. Wash your hands. Get clean. We teach our kids, wash your hands. Take baths. Get shower. Get clean. But when it comes to the... The people of God, we haven't had spiritual baths for a long, long time. 
Thanksgiving prayers, intercession for other prayers, uh, 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 intercession for others kind of prayers, petitions for ourselves kind of prayers, pleading the promises of God kind of prayers, watching through prayer to be on guard against the devil kind of prayers. Other times we may be meditating or listening to the still small voice of God, adoration or singing kind of prayers. He says all prayer is all kinds of prayer in all kinds of ways in all kinds of places. Publicly or privately, silently or out loud, loud cries, soft whispers, deliberately or spontaneously, sitting, standing, kneeling, even lying down, praying at home or in the church or in the car while working or traveling with hands folded or hands raised, eyes open or eyes closed, heads bowed or erect. Either way, for the faithful, spirit-filled Christian on its way, on their way to maturity, Every place, every place is a place of prayer. Remember, Daniel was put in, in, uh, in confines in the den of lions because of praying. Well, they showed him, didn't they? So what did he do? He still prayed. Daniel says, you put me anywhere. There's no place my God won't be found and I'm going to pray. He prayed in worship. They arrested him. He prayed in worship in the confines of the den of lions. And God was still pleased and he met with God and delivered him. 1 Timothy 2.8 I will therefore that men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. See if we're going to pray powerfully and effectively we must pray consistently and creatively. Won't you see number two. We pray. I mean if there's going to be real effective praying. We can't play during prayer. We've got to pray during prayer. So number two, the fervency of prayer. There's got to be fervency in prayer. Verse number 18, notice the second part of the verse. Prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. See, to pray fervently, it means to pray, as he says, in the Spirit. To pray fervently is to pray in dependence upon the Spirit and to be diligent in our supplication. Praying dependently. Praying dependently. The prayer that reaches heaven is the prayer that originates in heaven. In other words, it starts with God, it ends with God. Praying in the Spirit is praying in connection with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit telling us what we ought to pray for. The Spirit of God placing God's desire on our hearts. And so often people don't know what God's will is because they don't know what God's desire might be because we're so saturated by the world. And someone says, well, we don't even have a TV at home. We can't be saturated by the world. All that is in you, all of your flesh is anti-God. You know, when a person gets saved, he saves your soul. He doesn't save your flesh. And when we're overrun by the flesh and we yield to the flesh, we listen to the flesh, we ain't going to know the desires of God. And so praying with fervency doesn't happen when our fire has been put out by the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we blame the devil for a lot of things. Oh, the devil, he got it. No, it, it's just the flesh a lot of times. All the, that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. 
Well, the devil don't have to be around for you to be destroyed. Your flesh can do it just as effectively, if not. The flesh is the inside worker that is out to destroy you. And if we don't understand that this matter of prayer is where the victory is won and where this matter of having the blind spots taken off, if we don't understand that this is the place where we can step into the arena and experience God helping us, delivering us, we're going to continue in a downward spiral. We're not staying in the same place, but we'll continue in a downward spiral away from God. When truly believe that there's a God in heaven who hears and answers prayer, it's not hard to get people to show up and pray. Let me say it again. When people truly believe that there's a God in heaven who hears and answers prayer, it's not hard to get people to show up and pray. Your zip code should not determine your attendance to the body in which you're a member. The church ain't going to move to everybody's mailing address, but you could get serious about where the church is. It is the bride of Christ, by the way. And you don't learn to pray privately apart from seeing the emphasis that corporate prayer has in the sight of God and among the people of God. No one is effective in private prayer who wants to forsake public prayer. The reason why there are more people who will show up to the, um, to the witch who has her sign out there about you stop in, I'll tell your fortune, is because people get desperate. They're just not desperate for God. Yet we advertise, we're going to pray, and people, oh, we can miss that part of the service. Oh, we're going to pray after the service. People cut out. By the way, invitation is never the time to, um, uh, where's, where's my... Where's my purse um, and where where my, where my keys and uh, oh, oh. and you should not be hearing during the invitation zip 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 no the invitation is where you're casting the vote for which one you're really pulling for prayer Romans 8 26 and verse 27 we're told that the spirit of God is the one who steps in and helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the spirit itself maketh intercession, intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Amen. What does that mean? It means it's allowing the Holy Spirit to impart his desire on our heart to lead us to what we should be praying for and knowing when we don't even know what to pray for, we can take confidence in the Holy Spirit who is praying, who's assisting us. In fact, Romans 8, 26 through 27 tells us the entire Trinity, all three persons of the Godhead are involved in our praying. Prayer in the Spirit is dependence upon the Spirit. The Spirit takes the mind and will of God and places them on our heart. So we ask for what God wants us to have. Have you ever had a deep impression to pray for somebody? He's called the Holy Spirit. That's what He wants to do. He wants to talk to you about those things. He's saying, 
There's a loved one that needs you to pray. Have you ever been wakened in the night? You say, I have. I've, I've, I've had a hard not, a time sleeping at night because of what I ate. I want to tell you this. God didn't wake you up so that you can go find out what's on TV. And he didn't wake you up to find out if you have any more post added replies to your social media post. He woke you up so that he could talk to you. And maybe he's letting you know you, you, you thought you didn't have time to talk to me today. How about now? Years ago in the Moody Church in Chicago, six or seven men would gather to pray on Saturday night. We pray. We, we start at, at six o'clock. We, we were meeting at seven. And because some of the kids were coming, I decided, well, let's move it to six o'clock. And, and someone said, well, when, during football season, what are you going to do? We're going to start at 5 o'clock and pray till 10 o'clock. That's what we're going to do. I can't yet find a place where prayer is to be out of convenience. I, I, I haven't found it. And so when I read, it was almost 100 years ago. Well, it was a little bit more than 100 years ago. It was in the early 19, maybe 05, 06, R.A. Tories there in, in Chicago in the Moody Church and and. Um, and so they had a group, six or seven men praying. But you know what time they started their prayer meeting? Brother Eastwood, they started praying at 10 p.m. You know what that told me? There goes the philosophy. Well, in them old days, they went to bed early. And that's how come they got up early. I read R.A. Torrey's biography, not his autobiography, but his biography. It's the only biography that I know, Apostle of Certainty. And I'd find, all right, Tori's getting up like 4.30 in the morning. And then I read he's praying at 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. Where there goes that little house on the prairie theory. But I'll tell you this, there were some people who were just serious about God. It wasn't because the country was better. It was because Christians were hungrier. And so these men prayed. And they're praying Saturday night. And it's getting even late, later, and they ran into resistance. It just seemed kind of dead. And all of us who've prayed on Saturday night, we've run into some resistance before. We're just kind of saying, well, I don't even know what to make of that prayer meeting. But rather than giving up their praying, what they decided to do was bow their head and they asked the Holy Spirit to enable them to pray to victory. And so soon thereafter, the Spirit of God said, you're talking to me? And the Holy Spirit of God got into that prayer meeting. And it led one of the men to pray for their pastor, Mr. Tory, R.A. Tory, that God would use him to bring many people to Christ. And Mr. Tory was then led by the Holy Spirit to ask that the Spirit would send him around the world preaching the gospel and to see thousands saved. And they prayed specifically for Japan. China, Australia, New Zealand, Tasmania, India, England, Scotland, Ireland, Germany, France, and Switzerland. And Tory said that when they finished praying, they all said, it's going to happen. And God not only told them what to pray, but God told them, it's a done deal. Amen. 
And do you know that it was just after that that he was invited and oratory uh, went on what was known as the worldwide evangelistic tour where God took oratory to Japan and China and Australia, New Zealand, Tasmania and India. And as the invitations kept coming, every place they prayed, it was checked off and clicked off. And that's what God was wanting to do. And God was wanting his people instead of giving up and quitting because it's just too hard to get serious and to get hungry for God and that R.A. Tory evangelistic campaign around the world saw over 100,000 people come to Jesus and there are churches still today that were started they don't know it necessarily but it's because a group of six or seven men who said this is kind of a dead prayer meeting. But instead of giving up because we got other things to do, they said, this isn't the nature of our God. He's not dead and neither should our prayer meeting. Amen. See, the Holy Spirit wants to impart His desire on our hearts and lead us to pray so we ask according to His will and receive what He wants us to have. And this kind of praying, it, it is not just praying dependent dependently in our fervent pray, but it is to pray diligently. Notice there in verse number 18. Watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication. Perseverance and supplication. See, once I engage in my prayers to pray in dependence upon the Holy Spirit, what He's placed upon my heart and mind, then it is important. It is important. It's important to pray diligently. Don't just pray about the issue. Pray up to the issue. Pray through the issue. If not, we, we give up. See, there are two primary reasons for unanswered prayer. One, we're not praying in the Spirit. We're praying in the flesh. Number two, we quit. We give up. See, Satan's effective ploy is to delay your answer to prayer. I've said before, I go on record saying it again, when I met with the deacons before coming here, one of the things that, that really got a hold of my heart was hearing Brother Autry talk about, I believe God wants to do an awakening here at Canaan Baptist Church. I thought, you're talking the Holy Spirit's language now. We're seeing mercy drops. Oh, yeah. Amen. We've seen a gully washer here and there, but we're seeing a, a, a slow tide rising. The best days of our life is the rest of the days of our life. If we can learn this matter of praying in the Holy Spirit and persevering. Let me give you a Bible illustration. Daniel chapter 10, Daniel was deeply burdened that his people returned to their own land. Daniel prayed for how many weeks? You may remember? Three weeks. At the end of the three weeks, he received an astonishing revelation. Here's what he found out at the end of three weeks of praying. He found out that God answered his prayer immediately. But a fierce battle was taking place. That's Daniel chapter 10 and verse 13. And Daniel, had he given up when it seemed like eh, nothing's happening, he would have never received the answer he was looking for. The real battle was fought. The victory was won in the place of prayer. The point of this is don't quit. It's always too soon to quit. 
for years, 17 years, we were married without children. It was a great desire of our life, and it was a great prayer. And so I understood this concept, so we believed we're going to keep asking until God tells us no. And we never sense no. So we're going to keep asking until God does it or He tells us no. See, to quit may have caused God to quit what He was up to. We prayed for a child. We prayed for a child. And God gave us Priscilla. And we thought it took 17 years before God gave us Priscilla. We, we weren't really praying for any more because I didn't know if I'd be around another 17 years after that. <laughs> oh, but then God sent Gretchen and Will. Will and Gretchen. And so I'm, we're doing the best we can to train them up in the way they should go so they can take care of us when we're old. <laughs> Maybe the verse is worded a different way, but that's what we're telling them for now. Matthew 7 and verse 7, that's why Jesus taught, ask, seek, and knock. He's teaching them, when you ask, I don't give it to you. Start seeking, I don't give it to you. You start knocking, God says, I'll give it to you. It's not that he's saying, oh, I don't want to have to do this. No, he's saying, what do you really want? What, what, what do you really want? I remember an invitation years ago when I was a youth pastor. I was preaching in the Christian school chapel. gave an invitation. It was a little girl. I think she was a kindergarten girl. Alyssa, was that her name? Alyssa. And uh, five years old and she came up and very articulate. And I got down on my knee and I said, yes, ma'am, what is it you would like? She said, I would really like to go to snack. But they say it's not snack time yet. And so I just wonder what can I do right now? I said, well, you go find your teacher and pray with them. You're messing up our invitation here. <laughs> I think God's trying to figure out, what do you really want? Oh, well, I, what I'd really like is just to have a happy life. And God says, is that all? I can give you something better than happiness. Amen. You seek happiness not by seeking things. You seek happiness by getting to God. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. God's saying, what do you really want? Are you going to be fervent in this area? Are you going to get serious? That's why Jesus said in Luke 18 about the parable of the unjust judge. That's why he taught in Luke chapter 11 the parable of the persistent friend. He's trying to get people to see, don't quit praying. Don't stop praying. Number three. You still with me? Verse number 18. Notice the last part of the verse. He says, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for, what's the next two words? All saints. The focus of our prayer. The focus of our prayer. If we are praying consistently, creatively, dependently, diligently, then what are we to pray for? Others. Others. With all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We're to pray that Christians would be edified and that the lost would be evangelized. We ought to pray for God's people, our church family, brothers and sisters to be edified. You know that the primary thrust of Scripture is that we ought to pray for others. 1 Samuel 12, 23, Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. He says all saints. Paul was addressing believers who are fighting a spiritual battle. They needed the prayer support of others to be successful in the battle. 
praying for others. It helps us with our selfishness. J. Hudson Taylor, founder of the China Inland Mission, he noticed a special measure of God's blessing upon one of the, the stations in the mission. And he noticed that there was a man praying at home constantly, creatively, dependently, diligently for all saints. And he recognized this is why God's blessing. But then we're to pray to evangelize. That's what Paul says in verse, six, or verse 19 and 20. He says, pray for me. Pray that God will open my mouth and give me boldness and utterance and opportunity. He says, I'm an ambassador in bonds. Amen. He says, I'm not, I'm not a prisoner that, that's, that's kept from doing what God, God's greater than that. I'm, I'm a, an ambassador and bonds for Christ. Pray that I'll see the divine appointments. Pray that I can point people to Jesus. Paul was extremely gifted. But he knew that if the lost were going to be saved, he must have the Spirit's power to speak what he ought to do and what he ought to say. Listen, I really believe that we're going to see a harvest of souls. One of the great things about Canaan Baptist Church over the years, and Brother Caudill cultivated so tremendously, is a, is a desire and an appetite to, to witness to people, to reach souls, and to, to stay about it. And there's been such a consistency for many, many years. But I tell you, we can knock on every door and not have the Spirit's power. We need the favor of God. Amen. To get lost people to want, to get them to want to look like God's child, to want to be God's child, to want to partake in the same family business as the child of God, you and I aren't going to be able to do a lot to convince them and persuade them. But the presence of God can. You think that, preacher? What do you think happened to Saul? He's going to stamp out Christianity and God shows up. And in the presence of God, he didn't just change his mind. God changed his life. And God has changed our life as a result of it. The presence of God. D.O. Moody visited England while on vacation but was asked to preach at a little church that was lacking in energy. But when he gave the invitation, God greatly blessed with many saved, and they extended the meeting for 10 days. That was on his vacation. 400 were added to the membership after this meeting. Moody learned the secret of this success. Listen to me. It was a lady by the name of Marianne Adler. She was confined to the bed almost all of her life with a debilitating disease. But she was a woman of prayer. Her prayer was that revival would come to her church. This lady read a revival pamphlet by D.L. Moody. And she prayed that he might come to her church, which the Lord did answer. Moody visited this church and she asked that he would write his name in her birthday book and promise that she would pray for him every day. Some years later, G. Campbell Morgan became the pastor of that church. 
And Marianne asked Dr. Morgan to read her birthday book in 1901 before he was to travel to America. Morgan saw where D.L. Moody signed the birthday book in February of 1872. Marianne Adlin told G. Campbell Morgan that she prayed for Dwight L. Moody until he died before 1900. Now, Marianne said, now, she said to G. Campbell Morgan, I will be praying for you as you travel to America. Dr. Morgan said, I shall never forget writing my name in that book. To me, in that room, was full of the presence of God. We must pray for others that through us, saints will be edified and lost souls evangelized. Let's stand together, please.